to catch you up by night, my walkout music when we do standing Greek, because that ain't it. Hey, uh, good morning. Good morning. All right, that's much better. Hey, uh, I just want to encourage you, uh, if you want all that grace has for you, if you want to experience more through uh, your connection to grace, you have to get connected beyond Sunday morning. Uh, this is not enough. Um, it's not enough for your spiritual journey. It's not enough for you. So uh, my encouragement is read the bulletin or flood announce some things. Um, come to the Christmas concert. If you don't know some people and come with the intention of meeting some new people, it's a great opportunity. It's going to be a great worship time. It's a great thing for you to buy a block of tickets. Bring 10 people to it. The tickets are inexpensive uh, and we want to fill the room. So it's a great place to invite your friends. Get into a small group. Uh, come to the Christmas Eve and Christmas Eve Eve concert. Like come, but come with the intention of getting to know some more people and getting connected because that's really what's going to make the difference as you do church. We know um, that sometimes you can just feel a little disconnected even amidst a crowd, and so that's the way uh, we encourage you to do that. So before I jump into the sermon, um, I want to give a little bit of time to unpack, if you will, Impact 2016. And we've been doing this impact thing for about six years now. I don't know if you know it, but we've raised and given away over $1.6 million dollars. I just like saying that. We've raised and given away $1.6 million. How cool is that? So um, we're into it again, and, and, and I think there's a sense that God is up to something. I think we all sort of feel like there's just this movement of the Spirit in the, in the air, and it's fun to be a part of what God is doing here. And, and I just want to tell you that we know that God is teaching us some things, that we are learning how to be a more prayerful church. Not that we don't believe in prayer. We always believe in prayer, but God is taking us somewhere deeper in prayer. And we're learning how to really depend on the Holy Spirit more and more and how to unleash the movement of the Spirit in the church. We know that this is sort of a, a journey for us as a church. Here we are, a 117-year-old church, and God is, is opening up new things for us to learn and discover as, as leaders and as a congregation. That's part of the journey. We, we are learning to be a church without curtains. Those of you who are here in that season when we did that study know that that means for us that we're just going to be honest, that we want to be a church where you can come even if you're struggling, that you don't have to put on your religious face when you walk in the door, that you don't uh, find a few religious phrases and then uh, play the game. And church can sometimes be a game. I say it often, but I think one of the easiest places to hide is in the church because you just got to learn a few phrases and and fake it, and everybody just thinks you're fine. But we don't want to be that kind of church. We want to be a real church, no playing church, a church without curtains. So it's an exciting season at Grace, and we know that God is up to something. But we also know is that God is calling us to make some investments in this campus, in this facility. It's uh, it's it's time that we do that. You know, the, there was a, a season about 15 years ago where the congregation raised a substantial amount of money multi-millions and built this facility, the, the facility that we have enjoyed over the last 15 years, the facility that's allowed us to have more impact and, and, and both here on the east side and around the world. And, and we as the leaders of Grace feel like it's time that we make an investment again and nowhere near on the same scale, but we know there's just some things that we need to do going forward. We were actually working with an outside consultant um, a few months back and they said to me, why do you tell people that everything you do outside of the walls is impact? Don't you realize everything you do 
his impact. And it really kind of was like a punch between the eyes, like a really thinking about it. Because the truth of the matter is, what we do on Sunday, what we do in the children's ministry, what we do in Tuesdays at Grace, what we do at the teaching ministry, what we do with our student ministries, the, the way we put things together, it's all there for the purpose of having an impact. Everything we do is impact. So what makes this year's impact different is it's not just money that we're raising to give away, but part of the money is going to be to invest in the campus itself. So we set a goal to raise $800,000. There's sort of, every time I say $800,000, a few people that gasp. I get it that it makes some people a little bit nervous, maybe even a little bit uncomfortable. Um, But I just want to encourage you that we really believe that God is in it. And what I want to do for a second is I want to just give you a a snapshot. And I'm being intentionally... um, I don't want to say vague. I'm not giving you all the details because I don't want to give a whole sermon to that. Um, but I'm going to invite you to an informational gathering where I'll really unpack it all. But, but one of the things we know we're going to do is a substantial amount of the money, a good portion of money is going to still go to our ministry partners. But we're also going to invest some money in this room. We're going to invest money in this room and, and make this room more intimate, um, create some changes in the room that will be pretty substantial and, and change the way Uh, things are laid out. So we know God wants us to do that. There's a room through these walls over there we call the chapel. It's the least used room in the building because it's really just never been uh, set up the right way. So we're going to redo the chapel and make it a chapel, and it'll be a great place for small weddings, for uh, funerals, but it'll also be a place for us to really anchor in and launch the prayer ministry that we know God is calling us to. There's seasons of time where we could use that room to have like 24 hours of prayer, or maybe we get to the point in... uh, our history where we just always have prayer going in that room 24 7 there's something going on in the chapel where we have people praying so we're going to invest there we're investing in the uh the rooms down in the lower level to build these beautiful living rooms that we can use to launch small groups out of which is a necessary thing that we know we need to do here so there's there's all these little things but but here's the deal we want you to be a part of it And every time we get to the impact season and we start talking about money, I hear people say, well, why do you guys talk about money so much? First of all, we don't talk about money all that much. Uh, Probably not as much as we even should. Uh, But when we get to this season, it's not to guilt you. I'm not trying to lay a guilt trip on you. I'm just giving you an invitation. If you want to participate in, you guys are great. This is going to be a fun Sunday. I've never had people clap at the bunny part, but this is good. If If you guys want to be a part of it, it's an invitation to be a part of it. God is doing something. And we just want you to know that you're invited to, to participate. And here's, I say this, and I mean it to the, to the core of who I am. If you, if each person in this room and the people that were in the first service, if you would just commit to pray, Lord, what would you like me to do about impact? Now, here, I will tell you, if you're going to pray that prayer, he might surprise you. Chances are he will. But if you're willing to pray the prayer, Lord, what do you want me to give to impact? And if you're willing to be obedient to whatever the Spirit nudges you to give, we will have more than we need. We just will, because that's, it's God's economy, and this is God's church, and this is God's story. He's been writing a story on this corner for over 115, 117 years, and, and he'll continue to do that. So my encouragement to you is don't feel guilty, just ask. Just say, Lord, what do you want me to give to impact? And then be obedient and do what God calls you to do. So, Sunday, or uh, the gatherings, there's, there's two of them coming up. So what are we going to do on Monday night and on uh, Thursday night? And if you look in your bulletin, it says uh, Sunday night. Um, that's just a boo-boo. It's, there's no meeting tonight. I won't be here. So 
don't come tonight. Um, but we want every person, if you didn't come to a meeting, so we did three of them last week, if you weren't at any of those meetings last week, uh, if you're not planning on coming to the meeting that's full now on Tuesday, then we want you to either come Monday or Thursday. And in your bulletin is a card. Open your bulletin. Come on, you're gonna, I'm going to make you do this. So we'll stand here as long as we need to. I don't have anything till 5 o'clock, so i got plenty of time. So in your bulletin is a card. We want everyone to fill out one of those cards. The ushers have cards. They're going to come down. If you need a card, just kind of put up your hand. They'll send you a card. They have pencils to fill out the card. So we've got people down here that need a card. You can fill it out as a family. You can just say, hey, Joneses or Cantrells, we're coming to this meeting or this meeting, and we just need to know how many and which meeting you're coming to. Part of that's so we know which room to have it in because if it gets to a certain number, we can't have it in the cafe. We need to move it in here. It's just for our planning purpose. And... I want you to make a commitment to come to one. Whether you've been here for two weeks, two months, or 40 years, you need to be at the meeting. Even if you don't think you have much to give, you still need to know what we're doing. You need to hear the vision uh, that we have for the church and for the campus. And there will be lots of opportunity for question and answers, which I can't do in this setting. And that's why we want to have these meetings. So you're going to fill out the cards. And then if you just pass the cards to the outside, um, I want everyone to fill out a card. We're just going to stand here. Wait impatiently. If you're not filling out a card, you should be at least faking it. Because I'm watching. Okay. Fill out a card. Turn it in. Come to either Monday or Thursday. The meeting takes a little, about an hour or so, but great time for Q&A and for you to hear what God is up to. You need to be there. Okay. I keep saying okay because I haven't been following my notes. All right. Before I get into the sermon, um, I want us to sing a worship song again. So John's going to come up. And he's going to lead us a song. And I want to kind of frame this because something happened that was pretty profound for me this week. Uh, earlier in the week, I was studying the passage that I knew I was going to preach on. And, and I was reading these words in Ephesians. Paul writes, his intent, talking about God, his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Let me say that again. God's intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to rulers and authority in the heavenly realms. So I'm reading this passage of scripture and I'm asking the Lord, God, what does this mean? Help me to understand this passage of scripture more clearly. Help me to teach this passage of scripture clearly. Lord, I'm not sure what you're, what you're saying in this. Help me to understand this passage of scripture. And right about that time, uh, my alarm goes off because it's 9.30 a.m. And everybody knows at 9.30 a.m. we all pray for grace because that's what we do over a thousand people praying for grace at 9:30. well as a staff when our alarms go off we all gather together we usually sing a worship song not always but usually and then we um we pray well this particular sunday or this particular day john let us in the song that we sang earlier great are you lord and it was sort of a, a moment for me like that's what it means the words are all the earth will shout your praise our hearts will cry these bones will say great are you Lord? This proclamation of how great God is. You know, when we come together in worship, when we lift our voices in, in worship, the scriptures say that God inhabits the praise of, our, of the people. Something supernatural takes place when we sing praises back to God. You inform your neighbor in the sanctuary of who God is. You inform your soul who God is, but you also inform the, the, the spiritual world of who God is. So there's something supernatural that goes on when we worship. These are powerful words, and I just wanted us to, 
sing the song again to kind of just get our hearts centered around before we move into the sermon. So John, if you don't mind, let's sing that song. Let's sing all the earth. Know the earth will shout your face. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. All the earth, all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. scriptures, to hear the sermon. I just pray that you would give us ears to hear, hearts to receive, that seeds of truth would be planted, that they would bear fruit, that we would leave here different than we came because we interacted with the living God. Lord, I pray that you would guide my thoughts, that you would guide my words, that anything I say that's not of you would fall away, but the things that are of you would, would take root. Thanks for the power of your word. Thanks for the power of music. Make sure the Holy Spirit guide and direct us. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys see. So over the last two weeks, we've been answering the question, what is the church? What is the purpose of the church? What is, what is God's mission for his church? And the first couple of weeks ago, we talked about the fact that the church is a family, that, that God is our Father, and that Jesus is our brother. And one of the things I've said the last two weeks, and I'll say again, is that there's, a, there's something profound about that one truth. If you could just get to the place where that truth goes from here to here, it's very liberating. It'll, it'll change your life to actually believe and to know and to, to know in, a, in the deepest part of who you are that God is your Father, that Jesus is your brother, that we are actually a family, brothers and sisters in Christ. It, it has this ability to be radically transforming. 
The truth is, and when we study the word of God, when you sit in church, when you hear something, you have to do the good work of meditation and thinking about it. The, the scriptures say that we are to meditate on the word of God. Part of the reason we meditate on the word of God is because that's the way things move from intellectual to being really who we are. So you have to get to the place. So, so here's the way I say it. It's, it's not enough to know that God is a good, good father unless you know that God is your good, good father. One is just a spiritual truth. The other one is a transformational reality. I was listening to a podcast by Dallas Willard this week, and, and he said that, the, he was talking about the psalm, and he said the great psalmist wrote that, who is mankind that you are mindful of us? He said, but the real transformation happens when you realize this God is not just mindful of mankind, he is mindful of you. Liberation and freedom comes when you can say, who am I that you think about me? I am on God's mind. How wonderful are God's thoughts about me? You need to make those spiritual truths personal. You need to internalize them. You need to be able to say, I am loved. I am cherished. I am God's son. I am God's daughter. Jesus is my brother. You need to make those truths personal if you want them to bear fruit in your life. So we talked about the fact that the church is a family, and then last week I spent a good deal of time talking about this vision that Ezekiel had about the church from Ezekiel 47, that the, there's this picture of the church. The church, if you remember, was Jesus himself, that he became the temple, and that there was this river that was flowing out. It started small, you remember this? If you were here last week, and it just a trickle, and then it became a stream or a creek, and then it became a river, and then the river flowed into the Dead Sea. And everywhere this river went, there was life, and, and not just life, but this abundant picture of, of of new life and life coming to the things that were dead and the holy the river is the holy spirit and that's the picture of the church that we are to be this place where the spirit of god is flowing into us overflowing from us and flowing out from us and having this impact on the world so when you look at these banners we talked about the fact that these are like like pictures if you will or portraits of this amazing river that started small and god breathed life into it and through his holy spirit something happened and the river grows and the river goes out and the river brings life to everything it touches. This is a powerful truth. Church is a family. The church is the answer to the problems that face the world. And today what I want to do is I want to drill a little bit deeper into the purpose of the church. What is God's ultimate desire for followers of Christ? Or to ask the question a different way, what is God's intent for the church? I'm pretty sure that on some level, the answer to this question is going to surprise you. So grab your Bibles, your readers, whatever you use to study at home, and turn to Ephesians 3. I want to remind you of a couple things. We want you to take notes because we believe that if you take notes, you're going to remember a few things. Even if you're just jotting down things that, that, that move in you, you're going to still remember those better if you, if you jot them down. So take notes. And I also want to encourage you, if you are um, using social media, then use it. If you're a Facebook person, take out your phone right now and just check in that you're at Grace Community Church and let people know you're learning about Jesus today. It's just a way to uh, let the kingdom know that you're at church and you're learning truth. If you hear something, either in song or in word or the Spirit speaks to you, then tweet it or put it out on Facebook. We want to use social media to advance the kingdom of God. Okay? Ephesians 3, starting in verse 8. Remember, the question that we're answering is, what is God's intent for the church. 
And this is the Apostle Paul writing, and he says these words, starting in verse 8. Although I, Paul, am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, one of the things we have to do right out of the chute in order to make this passage personal, in order to apply it to our own lives, in order to move it from being an intellectual study to a transformational study, is we have to come to the place where we believe and we understand that Paul's purpose is the same as our purpose. Or said differently, Paul's purpose is the same as your purpose. So there is this general calling that everyone who has said yes to Jesus and is a follower of Jesus, there is a calling on all of our lives. There is a purpose on all of our lives, what you would call a general purpose. And in that general purpose is the same for all. Now there's a specific purpose or a, or a specific way to go about it. Everyone is not called to do the ministry that Paul was called to. Everyone isn't called to go to Paris and work with prostitutes. That is their specific calling. But your calling and their calling is the same. And the calling is the revelation of God, or said differently, we exist to make God known. We well, that's going to be a little distracting. Um, Flet, are you still in here? Let's go make sure that that is not. I'm going to preach, and we're going to assume that's not serious. If it is, we're going to leave in an orderly fashion. More often than not, that's some little kid. So last time this went off, a, a young guy did it, and I came to him. I said, so why did you pull the alarm? And he said, because it says pull here. <laughs> I couldn't even, like, scroll. I was like, it is what it says. It just says pull here. One more shot. They'll get it off here in a second. That is really distracting. Okay. We exist to make God known. It's, it's all of our purpose. How we go about it, the individual calling on each of our lives, that, that changes. But, but in the end, we have the same purpose as Paul, to make God known. If you look at verse 8, there's, there's something that comes right out of the beginning of this verse that we have to hold on to. Paul says these words. He says, although I am less than the least of all of the Lord's people. Although I am less than the least of all of the Lord's people. What is he saying here? He's saying, look, this doesn't have anything to do with my resume doesn't have anything to do with my pedigree. It doesn't have anything to do with my nationality. It doesn't have anything to do with my gifts, my skills, my talents. I am the least of, of God's people. I'm just, a, I'm just a messed up guy is what he's saying. Yet God is using me saying, look, I want to make it perfectly clear that, that my ability to live into my purpose is because of God working through me and in me, because the Holy Spirit is, is infusing some kind of power. Remember, the whole Ezekiel thing is about the power of God, the Spirit of God filling us and overflowing out of us. Now, this is really good news for you and I, because what it says to us is, look, it frees us up. We realize we don't have the ability to do this on our own, which means we don't even have to do it on our own. It's the Holy Spirit. It's God working in us and through us that allows us to fill our purpose, to do the thing that God intends 
for each of us to do individually and as a church. And what is that purpose? Look at verse 9. It says, to make plain to everyone. So what is, who, who's included in everyone? Everyone. Not a trick question. Everyone is pretty all-inclusive, right? So, so our purpose is to make plain to everyone the boundless riches of Christ and the administration of this mystery. To make plain. To make it clear to everything. To everyone. We are called to make God famous. It's a pretty amazing calling. It's a pretty amazing purpose. I love the language of verse 9 because Paul says that there's these boundless riches. Boundless means without limitations. Boundless could mean inexhaustible. Boundless could be never used up. Boundless could mean more than you could ever spend. Okay, it's, it's boundless. It could mean unfathomable. So we have something in Christ that is, that is unfathomable. It's hard to wrap our minds around. We can never understand all that we have in Christ. And Paul says this thing this, that we have in Christ, this, all of this, it's a divine mystery. So we can know Christ and we, and we can experience parts of Christ, but, but, but what Paul is painting a picture of is like, this is bigger than our ability to, to even comprehend. It's unfathomable, all that you have in Christ. One of the places where this short little sentence kind of messes with us is that word administration. What does it mean to, to have an administration of this mystery, the boundless riches in Christ? Well, the word administration just means stewardship. It means that you have something in Christ and you are to be a good steward with what you've received. You didn't receive it for yourself. You received it for the benefit of those around you. And to be a good steward is to make God known and to make others know this amazing uh, picture of all that you have in Christ, that you share it. I had a text exchange with a friend of mine who this weekend, they had an event, actually they had a couple events, and they invited a lot of their friends, and, and they shared Christ with their friends, and packed the house, if you will, and it was just amazing. I went to a luncheon and, and sat through it, and I was very moved by by just what was going on in the room, and how people were hearing about Christ. So later in the day, I just sent a text and said, great job. It was so cool to see you do what you did today. And, and this is what he texted back to me. He said, it's wonderful, listen to this, he said, it's a wonderful life to get to introduce others to Jesus. He and his wife, they're being good stewards with the boundless riches of what they've been given in Christ. They're not just taking it in for themselves. They're saying, this is so amazing. I want to share it with other people. Look what God has done in my life. I want others to hear about it. Look at the riches that I've experienced. And we're not talking about money. We're talking about something spiritual. And they're saying, you got to know about this Jesus because he's changed my life. That's what it means to be a good steward. That's what it means to, to be an administration of this mystery. We get to introduce others to Jesus. Move to verse 10. Verse 10 says, his intent, we're talking about God here. So God's intent was that now, so when is now? Now, right? Present tense. So that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. It's not intuitively understood when you hear the word, the manifold wisdom of God. As a matter of fact, when I read this the first time, when I thought of manifold, I thought of a car part, an exhaust manifold. I'm like, well, I don't get that. So I had to actually go in and, and dig up the word and say, well, what does manifold mean in the scriptures? And this is the definition of manifold. It means ultra diverse, 
with multitudinous, I just like that word. I'm going to somehow get that into my vocabulary. Multitudinous expressions, multifaceted. Just read it. Just read it and let it sink in for a second. God is ultra diverse. God has multitudinous ways of expressing himself. God is multifaceted. Here's the truth. On, on one level, we can know that God is good, that God is love, that God is life, that God is holy. Yet this passage tells us we, we only get to know God in, in part. We only get to know just a little bit. And all we know is so, so good and so amazing and, and so inviting, yet we just know a little piece of, of who God really is. And then the passage says we're supposed to make this God plain to everybody. There is a, a mystery and you see the word mystery in the passage of how do we make somebody who's multitudinous and, and multifaceted and beyond our understanding, how do we make it plain to other people? How is this even supposed to happen? And that's why you can't do it on your own. It's a work of the Spirit in you. It's a work of the Spirit working through you. And if you try to do it on your own, you're going to fail because God is beyond our understanding. Yet in some ways we understand him. It's just a divine mystery. So what is the purpose of the church? It's to make God known, the purpose of impact, what we do locally, what we do internationally. It's to make God known. It's to, it's to make him known around the world. So we live, our purpose as a church is to make this ultra-diverse God, this multifaceted wisdom God known. But here's where the passage to me just gets wild. Hard to even believe when you read this passage, and I love this. Just, it's really captured my imagination. We, Grace Community Church, we are making the manifold, multifaceted wisdom of God known, look at what it says, to rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. We are making the manifold wisdom of God known to rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Realms. And when Paul talks about rulers and authorities, he's talking about the spiritual world. And if you go back and you study Ephesians and you dig into Ephesians, whenever Paul's talking about the rulers and authorities, in most cases, he's talking about the evil that's out there. He's talking about the, the, the Satan and Satan's uh, minions, and, and that's what he's talking about. And, and what he's saying is when we as a church get it right, we, we let the spiritual world know, no, we put evil on notice. Like, how cool is that? I think to myself, when I read this passage, I actually think like, don't they already know? But apparently not. Because the word says, when we get it right, we make God known, God's multitude in his wisdom, this, this amazing picture of God known to the spiritual world. I can't help but say to myself, really? That's what you've entrusted to us? That's what you've entrusted to me. So when we get it right as a church, we put evil on notice. We go all Star Wars on you. We shake up the dark side, right? Let me show you another place in scripture where this truth is played out. And so you know that it's just not a, a random thing. It's, it's throughout the scriptures, but turn to Matthew 5. This is a super familiar passage, but I want you to see it. I want you to have it open. So Matthew 5, and we'll talk about Ephesians a little bit more, but, but Matthew 5. Jesus is talking to the multitudes. And he says these words that probably, if you've been at church for, for any time at all, you've heard these words. Jesus says in Matthew 5, 14, he says, you 
are the light of the world. Well, you know, the world there is the, in, in the scriptures, the world is word, the word world, that's hard to say. The word world is the word cosmos. It's the word that we get the cosmos from or, or universe from. You are the light of the cosmos. Not just the light to your kids, not just the light to your, to your family, not just the light to your neighbors, not even just the light to terrorists. So they're all good things, but you are the light of the cosmos. You make the manifold wisdom of God known to the cosmos, to the physical world and to the spiritual world. This is one of those truths that need to move from here to here. You need to say to yourself, I am the light of the cosmos. Sounds pretty egotistical, doesn't it? If I'd have started with those words, hey, by the way, I, Doug Kempton, your pastor, I am the light of the cosmos, right? But it's what it says. That's what Jesus says. He says, you are the light of the cosmos. Now here, you don't have to get prideful in that because apart from Jesus, you're not light. Apart from the work of the Holy Spirit in you, you're not light. The thing that makes you light is the Spirit of God working through you. But when the Spirit of God is working, you are light to the cosmos. Is this not the coolest thing ever? I love this passage. God's intent for his church is that we make him known to the physical and to the spiritual world. We are light. We are to illuminate. We are to make the invisible visible. But the question we got to ask ourselves is, how do we do that? How are we actually supposed to be light? It's one thing to know that we are, but how do we be light? How do we make this unfathomable riches of Jesus known? Well, on level, one level, we do it when we sing. We do it when we got together this morning and we lifted up the praises. So the, the scriptures say God inhabits the praise of his people. There's something supernatural that goes on when we sing to God. So there's, there's this picture of, of proclaiming the name of God, not just to one another, but to the heavenly. So we do it when we praise. We do it when we come together with our voices. We do it when we come together in praise. But there's a couple other ways that we make God known to the physical and to the spiritual world. And one of them, and it's really the context of Ephesians. So Paul is writing this letter, and, and in the letter, if you go back and you just look at it like thematically, what are the main themes of Ephesians? He's talking about the, this amazing work of Christ on the cross and everything that was accomplished. So throughout this, there's all this language about the richness of Christ and what Jesus accomplished by going to the cross, by dying, by raising again and, and, and ascending, that there's something supernatural that comes with what Jesus has done. That's, that's kind of thematic. But then he, he says that this, the gospel has the ability to make people who are different, different color, different ethnic background, different family customs, different spiritual backgrounds. The gospel makes people who are different one. The focus of Ephesians is unity. How do we live out this, this being one in Christ? So we see in Ephesians 2.12, Paul writes, remember you were separated from Christ. 2.13, he says, but now you've been brought near to Christ. And then there's this culminating sentence for chapter 2 and 14, he says, for he himself, talking about Jesus, is our peace who has made the two one. Jew and Gentile was who he's talking about when he says the two, because they were the, these two people that were so divided. And he says, no, 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 you're not divided anymore. He came to destroy the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. 
He goes on to say we're fellow citizens of God's household. What does that mean? It means we're family. We're joined together in the Lord. So when you get to our reading in Ephesians 3, how do we make God's wisdom known? There's no doubt, it's for sure, that that one of the ways we do it is when we live into and out of the unity that's made possible through the gospel of Jesus Christ. The world takes notice when we are one. Wait a minute, the universe takes notice when we are one. The world, those who oppose Christ, take notice when we live in unity. And the reason for this is because it's so rare. It stands out against the backdrop of the world because the world is divided. Our country is divided. Many of your homes are divided. And sadly, the church is divided. The church universal is it's, it's so divided. There's so, such a lack of unity that when the church does get it right, when there is uni- unity, everyone notices. Everyone sees it. When I say everyone, I mean everyone, spiritual and physical. It stands out to be so different that the world takes notice. What's our mission statement here at Grace? We are... You guys are way better at that than the first service, just so you know. We are a mosaic striving to live like Jesus. Mosaic there. It's not just a cute word that we picked because it's trendy. It means something to us. Pieces of of broken, broken pieces of different colors and shapes coming together. And when they come together, they make something new, something beautiful. They, They still are different. They still look different. They still have different shape. They still have different colors. But they come together to make this, this amazing picture. They come together in unity. You want to know what makes the cosmos take notice? Live in unity in your home. Live in unity with with your brothers and sisters in the church. The church being one puts the world on notice. Unity shakes the gates of hell. This is why Satan is unrelenting at attacking our unity. He wants to divide us and devour us. He wants to separate us. He knows when Satan sees unity, it scares him. It reminds him that the gospel is real. It reminds him that Jesus really did do what he said he was going to do and bring people that were different together. God's intent for the church was to make himself known to the physical world and the spiritual world. It's accomplished through our song. It's accomplished through our worship together. It's accomplished through, through unity when we live out the unity that's made possible through the gospel of Christ. And it's made possible through our actions, our responses, our behaviors, our acts of service. So if you still have Matthew 5 open, I hope you do. Let's go back there. Verse 14, he said what? He said, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the cosmos. Then he talks about a fact that there's, if there's light on a hill, you can't hide it. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. And then he says in verse 16, in the same way, just like that city on a hill gives light to everything around it, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I say this a lot, but it's one of those things you just need to know because it's so prominent in Scripture. What does it mean to glorify God? It means to make God known. 
When we live our lives in such a way that, that God gets the glory, it's we live our lives in such a way that people see God in us. We make God known through who we are. So our actions, our acts of service, our good deeds become a way that we make God known. But there's a catch in this one. Because if your good deeds are just done in your own energy and your own power, if you're not relying on God in any way, if you're just doing something nice that anybody could do, then who's going to get the glory? You are. Well, that was really nice. You did a really nice thing there. So John Piper was talking about the same passage, and, and he said this, giving God the glory. He said, this only happens when our deeds exceed our own limitations. When it's bigger than us. I don't know how many of the men got a chance to come this weekend and hear uh, Pastor Kevin Ramsey talk about his journey. So Kevin was uh, coming down the steps, and somebody had broken into his home. He was the only one home, and he got jumped, and he got stabbed and cut up 37 times by this assailant. He didn't know who the person was, uh, thought he was going to die. He obviously didn't die because he was here speaking. Um, but he thought he was going to die, went through this uh, just really difficult rehabilitation season. He's He's better, but God put it on his heart to forgive. Not just to forgive, but to approach the assailant, to offer forgiveness to him, not because he'd asked for it, not because he deserved it. He said, this is the gospel. God is calling me to extend favor to you, to forgive you. And he's even played a part in helping this guy in his prison and even talking to the parole board. And just an amazing story, but it's a story of forgiveness. But it's beyond what he could just do in his own. And when you hear his story, when you, when you hear this message of forgiveness, you realize, man, this is a God thing. This, only God could do something like that in somebody's life. Only God could create this gentle spirit in this man and that have no bitterness towards somebody who took so much away from him. And you see it's a God thing. And you know what it does? It, it brings glory to God. It makes God known. But it puts evil on notice that God is at work. Right? So when, when Amy and Irene say, look, we have it good. We have a good job. We have security. We have good schools. We like it where we live. We like our church, which I think they like our ch- their, their church, but they're, they're here and they're, they're loving life. And God says, no, I want you to go, and I want you to go minister to prostitutes in Paris. Look, they can't do that on their own. They will not have any ministry effectiveness if they do this on their own. But if God is infusing them with the Spirit of God to do what they're called to do, they're going to bear fruit in what they're doing, and and people are going to see it, and we're going to see their good deeds, and we're going to glorify God in heaven. They are going to make God known by doing the things that God has called them to do. Ephesians 2.10. We are God's workmanship, right? And we've just preached on this not too long ago. We are God's poem created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. God has prepared good works. God has prepared good deeds for each of you to do. And if God prepared you to do it, then God's going to equip you to get it done. He's not going to prepare you to do something and say, hey, you're on your own. Good luck with that. Right? He's going to give you everything you need to do the thing that God has called you to do. And when you do it, you make God known to the world, the spiritual world, and the physical world. Impact. Impact 2016. It's, a, it's about making God famous. It's about making God known to the physical and the spiritual world. Impact is about doing the good works that God has called us to do as individuals and then in unity as a church. Impact is about letting the world know. Verse 10, he says, his intent that was now through Grace Community Church 
the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that was accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Ephesians chapter 3 has become an important uh, verse for us. There's a prayer that comes in verse 14 that's kind of been a thematic prayer. It's a prayer that we've been praying over the church really for about two or three years now. What I want to do is I want to close with this particular prayer, and I'm going to ask you to stand as I pray this prayer of Paul over you. And the prayer starts with, for this very reason. For what reason? Because of the multitudinous, multifaceted, amazing riches of Jesus, because of everything we have in Christ, because God has given us more than we can even understand through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because of all of this, for this very reason, Paul says, I kneel before the Father. And he prays this powerful prayer over the people. For this very reason, I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he will strengthen you with power through his spirit and your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have the power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know the love that surpasses knowledge you would be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. That means overflowing. Filled to overflowing. Or may we be filled to overflowing. Fill us with your spirit. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to his power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ through all generations forever and ever. Lord, help us to be our prayer. Lord, help us to be the church you've called us to be at Moross and I-94. Lord, help us to continue to have impact. Lord, help us to make you known to the physical and to the spiritual world. Lord, help us to put evil on notice that Jesus is Lord of lords and King of kings. And in his holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you for being here today. If you need prayer, we'd love to pray with you down here. Come on down. God bless you. Have a great Sunday.